With that said, turn to Luke chapter 1. I would like to take this opportunity to uh, preach on a Christmas theme. I will more than likely do that this week, and Lord willing, maybe next week. I don't have the following week's message figured out yet. I don't know what God's going to do that third week, but next week... Uh, I, I hesitate to tell you what I'm preaching on because you might not come, but it'll be out of Luke chapter 2. And so this week, Luke chapter 1, and I would like to spend some time today on a subject called fulfilling God's purpose in your life. Fulfilling God's purpose in your life. I made mention last week, maybe the week before, my weeks run together. And so something that I think I've said last week might have been six months, five years ago. I was uh, this week looking and I had, um, I was doing something in 1 Corinthians and I was like, well, I just taught the book of 1 Corinthians. I know I did, uh, whether it was Sunday school or Sunday night. And so all those notes should have been in this iPad. I started using iPad, what has that been, four or five years? years ago. Uh, and so I'm searching. It's not in there. And I was like, I know I have notes on 1 Corinthians. Well, I found it, but I found it in my external hard drive from 2015. So what I was thinking happened just a few months back, uh, actually had was teaching 1 Corinthians in 2015. This is 2021, soon to be 2022. So time flies when you're having fun. Now here, as I said, let me get back to the original point. As I said uh, a few weeks back, uh, it's important, or here's, here's what I wanted to say. Don't let the devil fill your head with a bunch of nonsense that you are not important. If you are sitting here this morning, if you're listening to my voice, God has a purpose that you, he wants you to fulfill. So one, you have value, you have worth, and there is a reason you're still here among the living. Now, if you're lost in listening to my voice, God's purpose and his will is that you get born again. That's very important. And before you can go to step two and step three, you must be born again. But if you're born again, and just because you're saved, just because you're a Christian, does not mean you'll never deal with a mental uh, depression or a mental anxieties. Uh, that's, that's really been a big uh, t taboo. And years gone by is any time uh, that, that this mental issues come up, uh, the churches, the preachers, their, their answer for it was always, well, you're just not right with God. I got news for you. You could be 100% right with God and be having some mental turmoil going on in your life. And the devil will see to it that you have mental turmoil. And one of the things I've learned with working with people that suffer from depression and anxiety is the number one thing is they feel that they're not worth anything. There's no purpose. There's no reason. There's no rhyme for them to be living. And let me tell you something. If your heart can malfunction, your kidneys can malfunction, so can your brain. The mental part can malfunction. And you might need a little medication to help bring it back into balance. You got that free. That's not part of the message. But the Holy Spirit told me to get on a little bit. Somebody that's listening to my voice might need a little help in that area. It is part of it. 
but I don't want nobody sitting here or listening to my voice thinking there's no reason for me to be here or I have no purpose. You have purpose. And I want to share from the Word of God how to prepare yourself to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Verse 26 in Luke chapter 1, if you have found your place. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. I need to stop there and make a comment. You need to see that. Did you see what God said through the mouth of the angel Gabriel? Blessed art thou among women. Mary is not to be elevated to God's status. The Bible is very clear that she was blessed among women, not elevated above. Ladies, uh, if you will dedicate your life to the Lord, you can be blessed among women. Mary, I'm not trying to take anything from her, but she is not an intercessor. She's not a mediator. You don't pray to Mary. Uh, the Bible never commands you to pray to Mary. Mary was blessed by God among women not elevated above. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Amen. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. This is my text verse. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Now I want to read down just a little further because I need to make another um, comment on some, what do we call those? Uh, things, social issues in our land today. Something that come across my path in the news. Maybe you got it too. And I need to make a comment on uh, children while they're still in the womb. Maybe some of you can, can, can know what I'm talking about. We had a Supreme Court justice this week make some troubling comments about children or she didn't call them a child while they're in the womb. But she said, just because a child is moving in the womb does not mean it's alive. 
And I'm not going to finish the rest of what she said, but I'm going to show you from the Word of God that not only is she foolish, she's a fool, because she doesn't want to acknowledge God and what God has said. But the word of God says exactly the opposite. And you'll hear, you will not hear from my mouth. I don't like to use the word fetus. It is not a fetus in the womb. It is a child. The Bible never refers to it as that. And let me tell you something about that word just while I'm on it. It's not even part of the message. While I'm on it, that word, their words go together and they paint pictures and they lead you down a path. And the word fetus rhymes with fecal matter. And that's what the devil's trying to implant in your mind, that a child in the womb is nothing more than matter of tissue. And you got to think that uh, before you could ever abort a child in the womb. Be careful, the devil's just that tricky and that slick. Now let's get in, I'll show this to you from Scripture, just in case you might have read the same story this week and begin to ponder. Um, the word, the verse that come to my mind is that one over there in Timothy where the Bible says that he warns us to be careful about harmful words because they eat like a cancer. He calls it a canker. He says you'll begin to think about it and it'll begin to infect your thinking. Because you think, well, maybe there's something to it. Here's a very educated person who made certain statements. After all, maybe they know something I don't know. The Bible says there in Romans chapter 1, that's a fool. A fool who's claiming to be wise because they deny the existence of God or they don't want to acknowledge what God has said. Let's read down. Verse 39, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. This is the lady that's pregnant with John the Baptist who God said would be filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. That means while he was inside of Elizabeth, he had the Holy Spirit of God. And let me tell you something. If you got the Holy Spirit of God in you, you're alive. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped. He didn't say a fetus. The babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible goes on to later say that Elizabeth said the babe leaped for joy when the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ was perceived and discerned in Mary. Let me tell you something. Children that are in the womb, there is life there. They have a spirit. They have a soul. And they are a human being. And it troubled me to hear a Supreme Court justice make reference to that this week. God help her. I believe she needs to be saved. Now, let's go on. I didn't want that to uh, trouble you to be thinking about that and say, well, maybe there's something to this. No, the Bible is always clear to say it is a human being. It's a baby. It's a child. And this one could tell when the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ come in the womb. And by the way, and our children, we only had two, but when Nathan was in the womb, he knew when daddy come home, she could, he could respond and would respond while he was in the womb to my voice when I come through the kitchen door. He would respond when I got close to Jen. There was many nights we'd be laying there together and, he'd, and, and Jen would lay up against me and I could feel him kicking me on my back through her belly. 
Oh, that wasn't just movements of a brain-dead matter. That was a living being in there, a child. The fruits, God gives the fruits and gives life. What a wonderful thing here. Now, let's pray and ask God to get in the Word of God. Let me get focused because I hadn't planned to say all that. I did want to make comment on the baby thing in the womb and show you from Scripture that in, even in the womb, they have spirit, they have life, and they can perceive things. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you, we love you. Lord, be with those that couldn't be here today because of sicknesses. Help them. Be with our lost family and loved ones. Lord, help us in this year to be able to focus, to win people to Christ. Let us be a gospel-engaged church. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. A famous preacher once said that a successful man is a man who finds out what God wants him to accomplish with his life and then fulfills it. God has a plan and a purpose for every believer. And true happiness and contentment, hear me now, are found in knowing and fulfilling God's will for your life. One of the lessons that I teach in the discipleship course is the will of God. And it's important that you understand God's will for your life. Many times Christians run through their life, uh, they run like a tumbleweed, just being blown about by every wind of doctrine and every different new and different ideals. And they just have no purpose. They don't know what's going on. When the whole time... God has something that they need to do. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? So he tells us we're not our own. Then he says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, it is important in the life of a saved individual to understand, number one, they have purpose. I think I've made that clear this morning. Number two, God has something for them to do. And you say, man, okay, I don't know what God wants me to do. I, I, I don't know. Look, you must patiently wait on the Lord seeking the face of God. Sometimes your great purpose in life will be to warm a pew and to support the work of God that God has called that pastor to do out of that local New Testament church. We need them. We need them. I remember years ago, there was a missionary come home off the field from Brazil. Uh, I, I, I can't really re recall his name. I remember what he looked like. And he had a chip on his shoulder. Something had happened on the field. Sometimes that happens. And I remember he was at our church. We was in Blooming Grove at the time. And we were having a meal after lunch. And that, that dude walked to March right down out of the pulpit and we were kind of together walking downstairs to go to the meal and he says hey i got a question for you yes sir so i want to know what you're doing for god what are you doing around here and he said just like that and i said well <laughs> i didn't get mad that time either pretty good uh, i said well i'll tell you what these last three years i've been in this church I'm here every time the doors are open. And by the way, I'm the guy in the church that supports you. 
And I've been supporting you these three years for $40 a month. He's looking at me. He's just, he just walked on. Say, what is that? Well, sometimes we think because everybody's not doing something big or something great that they ain't doing nothing. God just might have you here to warm a pew to be an encouragement to the pastor to do what God has called him to do, maybe to put money in the plate to support the work of God. But if that's what God's purpose is for your life, that's what you need to do. There's no job too small. I call this finding your shape. The Bible there in 1 Corinthians talks about we make up different parts of the body of Christ. We're not all feet. We all can't do the going. We're not all hands. We all can't do the physical working. We're not all eyes. We can't do the physical seeing, like seeing far off of what's coming up on us. Uh, we all don't have ears. We're not ears, uh, so we can't do all the hearing. But there are hearts, and there's different parts of the body that you might make up one of those parts, and if you're saved, you do. And you need to know what your shape is. Some of our folks, they're at the age, I don't mean this in a bad way, they don't feel like running up and down the steps when it comes time to decorate the church. Their knees are not what they used to be. And that's why there should be younger people. You, you see what I'm saying? You need to know your shape. And it's going to take all of us to complete the body of Christ in this local assembly to do what God wants this church to do. Know your shape. That's your spiritual gift that God has given to you. Do you know what your spiritual gift is this morning that God gives you? He gives every child of God a spiritual gift when they got saved. How about your heart? God gets each and every one of us a heart for doing certain things. He says that a, a bishop, he says, if a man desire the office of a bishop, that's the heart. God puts the desire there to do what he's called you to do. That's called heart. But then you got the A, which is the abilities that God has gifted to us to be able to do the work. You have particular abilities that the person next to you might not have. And you're important, just like they're important. How about your unique personality? I'm not everybody's cup of tea. You know, there are cartilages that go in between the bones. And the Bible says that that cartilage there in Ephesians, that's in between the bones, the uncomely parts. He said they're necessary too. You might just be a buffer between two boned, hard bone personalities in the house of God. You might be the cartilage that makes that thing work together. It's important. A unique personality. How about your experiences that enable us to reach out to others? That's important. Do you know your shape? Mary knew her shape. There's people in the Bible that fulfilled their grand purpose, God's grand purpose for their life, Moses. Remember Moses? Moses was born. And Moses, when you think of Moses, what do you think of? I immediately think of parting the Red Sea. If we could boil everything that Moses ever did, he did a lot of great things. But the number one thing on the top of the, on the list is parting of the Red Sea. 
I mean, that was his grand life purpose. You can maybe get just a little smarter than I was and say, leading the children of Israel out of Egypt into the Canaan or right to the banks of the river there. And that you would be right on that. But that was his life purpose, his life mission that God had given to him. How about David and Goliath? When you think of David, the greatest king that sit there in Israel, but that's not how I think of him. I think of him David and Goliath. David and Goliath. It's, they're still talking about that, how a 16-year-old young man took down a battle-hardened veteran, a giant. That was the fulfilling of his life purpose. How about Queen Esther, ladies? Queen Esther found out after she had been made queen, she couldn't quite figure out why God allowed that. It was to save his people alive from wicked Haman when he tricked the king into signing a decree to kill all the Jews. Remember? How about Joseph? Joseph, boy, he went through a lot of trial and tribulation, didn't he? Before he ever got to God's grand purpose for his life in prison hated by his brothers but yet there while he was in Egypt feeding the world he said for this purpose has God spared me and he's used me to save much people alive what a wonderful purpose but I assure you with each one of these men they did not know what that purpose was before it happened Mary did not know that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. That's important that you know that. Everybody thinks, well, you just got it figured out. These, these people that, that do great things in life, they just always had that figured out. You'll find with most people that are successful, spend the majority of their time second-guessing themselves. You say, oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and it's not until years later they can look back and say, that was my one defining moment. I didn't know that. Wow. But while we're waiting on God's purpose to be revealed in our life, we must be preparing. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to begin to prepare our children. You mothers and grandmothers do not know if you got the next great missionary living in your house. You don't know if you have the next great preacher that's going to be a preacher uh, that preaches the gospel and millions are saved. You do not know that. I do not know that. But it's important that we teach our children that they have a purpose, they have a reason. And even though we might not know what it is yet, it is very clear to God. And in the meantime, until we find that out, we need to be a prepared vessel. So my first point. Mary, according to verse 27, he told you two times and one verse of Scripture that this was a virgin. Look with me here. He says, to a virgin, verse 27, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The Holy Spirit took his time to tell you about the purity of this young lady, Mary. 
Now, Mary, I'd never really thought about this much until this week. I don't know if you have or not. But when I think of Mary, I just don't think that she was, in my mind, am I thinking that she was the typical young lady? Let me tell you something. Mary would have been a young lady just like the other young ladies. So how do you know that? Because he said she was blessed among women. Number two, she had desires and dreams. She had a plan for her life. That's why she was espoused to Joseph. She had the same dream that every young lady should have, is to marry a knight in shining armor that's going to take care of her, protect her, and raise a family. You say, man, where you been? <laughs> that's not every young lady's dream. Well, it is if they're raised without Hollywood influencing them. Yeah, you got to be careful about that stuff. I need to say this, and it should be up there. The first point, it is possible to miss God's grand purpose in your life because of sin. We're living in an age where people think they can do whatever they want and there shouldn't be any consequences. That's a lie of the devil. You can have sin in your life that will keep you from fulfilling God's grand purpose in your life. Now here's my point. Mary did not know she was going to be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God. But she did have some rules, boundaries, and limitations in her life. I believe that's what we pick up when we see that he calls her a virgin twice and one verse. Number one, it was fulfillment of Old Testament Scripture. Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 9 says that a virgin would conceive and bring forth a son. And his name would be Emmanuel. His name would be the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. But Mary did not know that she would be that one. But she did know this. It was right to preserve her morality. Yes, sir. It's right to preserve her morality. She was in love with this man, Joseph. They were fiancé, if you want to use that word. But I will tell you this. She had rules, boundaries, and limitations. Even though she was in love with Joseph... She kept her hands off of Joseph. Joseph kept his hands off of her until they were married. And by the way, ladies, let me give you just a little words of wisdom. Oh, let some man Paul all over you, put his hands on you before you get married. Here's why. He gets everything and you get stuck. That's right. It's wrong, it's evil, it's not right. And you need to set some rules, boundaries, and limitations in your life to protect and to preserve your morality because you just don't know what God has got for you to do. Young men, the same way. Keep your paws off. You say, oh, preacher, yeah, I was a teenager once. 
I was a teenager once. I was young and in love once. Why do you think my wife and I, we only dated for six months? I was madly in love. And I was, what was I, 20, 21? You get a young man who works out, who works hard. Hormones are still raging. You're madly in love with this lady. You're in love. Oh, yeah, well, preacher, I'm madly in love with him. But, you know, we're just friends. We're pl- no, I, I ain't. I am 52 years old. I ain't buying that nonsense. I said, what are, you, what, what are you saying? I said, we, we knew that we were going to tie the knot and get married and to start life, and we wanted to serve God and go on forward. But we knew shacking up wasn't right. Mary knew shacking up wasn't right. She had preserved her morality. She had set rules, boundaries, and limitations in her life. She lived her life, what I'm saying, in a sanctified manner. Even though she did not know what God wanted her to do, she knew maintaining her purity was right whatever God would have her to do. I think an old famous preacher preached a message on do right. He said, if the stars fall, do right. If the sun refused to shine, do right. He says, if you don't know what else to do, do right. Good message. A lot of times we're waiting on God and what God would have us to do, but it's important that we do right while we're trying to figure that out. What I'm saying is Mary said no to the things she was supposed to say no to. I want to throw this in here free. It's really not in the notes. But it it did hit me as I was reading because she said in verse 34, Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She wasn't shacked up. She knew how the facts of life worked. And so she asked this. Now, the modern-day woman would have said, Oh, great, God just give me permission to move in with my boyfriend. Shame on us. Even though she just knew and found out what God wanted her to do, she didn't go about to try to work it out in some wicked way and using it as an excuse. Oh, I've heard, as a pastor, you might not have heard it, but I've heard, I, I hear all kinds of things in the office over the years. Well, God's just got me wandering in the wilderness, and I, I just love this man, and I'm, I'm living with him, and, and I'm really fulfilling God's will in my life, and, and everything's just, oh, God's just blessing me so much. Not if you're shacked up, he ain't. Now, there is another God out there that will definitely pay you to keep you from serving God, and that's called the devil. He's the God of this world, and he'll gladly pay you a great salary to keep you from serving God. But Mary did not use this as an excuse to say, I guess guess God just gave me permission to go move in with Joseph. We got to get the ball rolling on this thing. She didn't do that. She said, "How, how, how can this be? And she wasn't doubting the word of God. She just said, how's this going to be? Because I've got rules, boundaries, and limitations. I'm not married to Joseph yet. How's this happening? How how are you going to bring this about? And then the angel said, 
the Holy Spirit is going to empower you. And you're going to conceive from the Holy Spirit. I mean, God can speak life into existence. What a wonderful thing. I threw that in there free of charge. Second point. She was a selected vessel. Did you notice with me in verse 30 and 31, and I'll hurry on, that God had found favor, she had found favor from God. And so God had selected her among women. There could have been many other candidates, but she was the one that God selected. She had great favor in the eyes of God. That means she said yes to the things that she was supposed to say yes to. I need you to think with me for a moment. Food for thought, and it should be up there. Yes. God would not have picked Mary and Joseph if they did not have the right thinking and beliefs about church, about marriage, and about children. Have you ever taken any time to think about that? I mean, Joseph and Mary were not the typical average teenagers coming up, 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds, that said, look, let's try it out for a while. Let's shack up. We understand the Bible. That's old-fashioned. God's going to bless us anyway. Let's move in. We really don't believe in going to church. That's really not a high priority. Look around. You kind of see that today. Marriage, structure, and children. You think God, if Mary was dysfunctional, and Joseph were dysfunctional, if he had allowed them to be the parents of Jesus, his son? Did you ever think about that? Why did God select her? I'll tell you why. She had the right take. If we get into chapter 2, and I'll talk about it next week a little bit, chapter 2, chapter 3 there, the first place they, they talk about going was going to church. They never missed Never. Never. They had the right priority. That's what had them her great favor in the eyes of God. She had the correct family structure. She believed in a husband. She believed in the husband and wife. And by the way, she had the proper focus. A lot of parents go stray. I don't know how this turned into marriage counseling. You got parents, when the children come along, all of a sudden, all focus is on the kid. I know why, because we've been talking about that a little bit. On why kids grow up with the entitlement mentality. Everything's given to them. They're praised. They're, they're oh, and then, and then mommy looks at daddy. He's the big, nasty, dirty animal. And then when the kids leave home, they divorce. Why? Because, well, we've grown apart. Uh, not if you use God's model. Jen and I are living our best years now. We love being empty nesters. It's awesome. You want to know why? Actually, when she goes to work, I, I almost come to tears when she goes out. And she just needs to change in, in her life. She wants to work a little bit. I, I miss her. That's really why I've been cooking and doing dishes and stuff. I miss her. And I miss her bad enough <laughs> to help her around the house a little. I just don't fold laundry. <laughs> Sorry. You say, really? Well, I told her, I said, I can't preach this stuff and expect my men to do it if I won't practice it. Mm, it's important. But Mary had the 
proper thinking on a family structure. She understood her marriage. Marriage, husband, wife, and then children. Children are fruit. I, I, I don't mean to not focus on them, but never lose investing time into each other. Mary had that correct thinking. She was a prepared vessel. She was a vessel of honor. She had made herself by her sanctification in her life. We are only usable to God as we are available to God. That's a quote from Mary Slessor. I don't know her, but it's a very good quote. One more point. Verse 38. Mary was a submitted vessel. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. That speaks to me of submission. Mary had dreams, desires, just like all of us do. She had plans. She had her life. I mean, any young woman, if she's been raised in church, got a good family structure at about 18, 19, they got their life planned. Women mature quicker than men. Men are still trying to figure out how to put their tennis shoes on right, comb their hair, and that they need to take a bath. Not all of them. But ladies, they got that stuff planned out. Mary was no different. But she did not let God's plan get in the way of her plans. She says, I'll put my plans on hold to do God's work, my life, my grand purpose in life. And when we think about Mary, mother of Jesus, well, she had other children. She sure did. But her grand purpose was to be the mother of Christ. And she had to be a virgin to fulfill Scripture. And she was a virgin. And she did conceive from the Holy Spirit of God. Could you imagine in those days the ridicule she come under? How about Joseph? Could you imagine the whispering? I mean, you, you know, I, I know some of you are already thought... Because the pastor only dated his wife for six months. I bet you they had to get married. I bet somebody in here thought that, didn't you? And you're, you're trying to do the numbers. How old's Nathan? Do you remember how you're thinking that right now? <laughs> I think we were married 10 months or so before that happened. After he's born, I meant. <laughs> yeah, some of you are running with that. That's all right. You see, she didn't let her plans get in the way or to stop her. She knew she needed boundaries, limits. She was a submitted vessel, and she chose to submit to God's plan, deny herself, when God interrupted her plans. You see, you just don't know when God will interrupt your plans. I was sharing with the Sunday school hour. It took an act of God to get me to move from everything I knew. From Indiana. We grew up there. Owned a business there. Family-owned business. We had a shop. We had the tools. We had the good reputation. Still got a good reputation in Cincinnati area. 
I still get phone calls. Can you just do our work? I can't. I pastor now. My plan was to be a millionaire. And my plan that I wanted to do in life was to take the winter months and travel and help a missionary on the field to help them as they built a church, to stucco it, to do whatever I could and have made enough money through the years that I could do that in the winter months. It's what I wanted to do. That was my plan. I had no intention on ever moving from my location. I was an assistant pastor. I worked full-time job and, and was an assistant pastor. My plan was to maybe take a small church up there. I didn't really want to start one. Those were my plans. But God interrupted those plans and said, no, you're going over here. And it was of God. And that was a process. But I knew either way we went, I needed to maintain a sanctified lifestyle. And what I'm saying to you today, Mary didn't know she was going to be the mother of Jesus, but she knew to do right and to be a sanctified vessel. She had boundaries, rules, and limitations, but she was a selected vessel because she had sanctified herself and lived a right and pure life and, and kept herself in check even though her physical desires wanted to surpass those boundaries. She stayed within them. She found favor in God's eyes, but then she was a submitting person and she allowed God to interrupt her life plan to fulfill His grand purpose for her life. And I'd like us to think about that. If you was to look in verse 48 and 49, Mary, she said, I'm a person of low estate. That means she viewed herself as small. The town she come from, Nazareth, was small. Who was from a small town. God done great things through her life. Here's the phrase I want you to focus on, and then we'll be done. Great works of God generally start in small places through people with great surrender. I've wanted to preach a message for some time. Maybe God will allow me. We're all the time looking for the big things. I'm telling you more often than not, it's the small things. You study history and revivals, they all started small. They all started with one person getting right with God, surrendering to God, and then that thing spread like an infection. It starts small is what I'm saying. Don't let the devil discourage you because you're small. Because great things don't often start in big places, but in small places through people who have great surrender. Let's all stand this morning. Fulfilling God's purpose in your life. Each and every one of you have a purpose.
You might not know what it is yet, but you need to prepare yourself. Live right. Live holy. Do right until God and He will interrupt your plans to fulfill His plan.